This episode is part of the Moto PG Summer Session Series, sponsored by SC Project, Mongrel Boots, Savage Motorcycles, and CMB Financial Services. We'd like to dedicate these shows to our great mate, Michael Capozzi, who passed away just before Christmas. Michael was the owner of Pizza de Oro and made the best pizzas and cannoli in Sydney. He fed us after and sometimes during each show, and he just made the whole world a better place with his generosity and great good humour. We, like many others, miss him terribly. Testicles, testicles. Hello. Hello. That's better. Beautiful. It's beautiful. Right. Go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I miss I miss Michael Dentsteins. I, I miss, miss Michael Dentsteins. I miss him. It, it, it is a bit of a sad way to start the season yeah. because we love him. But anyway. He would expect us to carry on. He would. He would. So we will. And in we his shall. Name, in his name. I'm never, I'm never eating a fucking cannoli again as long as I live. No. I can't. His cannolis were the fucking greatest. They though. were. <laughs> All uh, right. Let's start the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Murder PG Summer Sessions. Oh, it's hot, it's sweaty, and we're all wetted and the grid girls like repenties. And like them, we are ready to bang. Yes! <laughs> Prepare to bang! Hello, Tugs. Have you been banging? I've been Christmasing. Christmasing. I've been Christmasing. Yes. It's been, I've been trying to rest. It's been a big year. Uh, I've been eating. You have. You no. sent us the photos yesterday. That, was, that made me fucking hungry. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Nothing like big sweaty yes. Italians cooking. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Not one. Not one was a woman. No. Men. All the men are cooking. That's how this. It was magnificent. Beautiful. Hello, Boris. Hello, Fredo. How are you? I'm, I'm My good. brother Tugs. I'm, I'm good. What do we know? Well, apart from the bastards who still owe us money. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. It's coming. Pay us, bastards. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we got, because it's the summer sessions, we got a we got a bunch of different stuff. We have got a hell of a guest we're waiting we should for e- to come on. Yeah, we should explain to people what we're doing. Yes, because these won't be the normal shows. No, because there's no racing to talk. No, about. so we're going. We've got a bunch of celebrities yes. to talk to. Well, they're gods, and we're going to try and do this the way we did it last year, where we lock ourselves in a room for an entire day <laughs> and get drunk and do six or seven interviews. <laughs> Hopefully by the end of it we're still coherent and talking sense. And lose the will to live by five PM. <laughs> so this is episode one, one of, our, of our summer yes. sessions. And we're waiting for the, the, the immaculate. Shall we tell them yet? Or the should immaculate we just surprise them. Matt Maladdin. Yeah. Oh, I can tell them. Legendary. Uh, legendary Matt Maladdin has finally agreed to come on the show. We're waiting for him to dial in. Oh. And I believe he's there. Is, is he there? It could be. It could be him. Which is good. Who's bringing us, who's, who's the boat to us by? Well, the whole show was brought to us by, we did it at the start, we, it was SC Project, who's giving away a full race exhaust oh, system. Yes. Mongrel Boots, we're giving away a pair of boots and, and five pairs of socks every episode to random people we'll pick on Patreon. Yes. Um, Savage Electric Motorcycles and CMB Financial Services. Fantastic. They're all here. They're all here. They're all here. Can you hear me, Matt? I can, mate. Oh. Fucking unreal. Merry yeah. Christmas to you, brother. Yeah, Merry Christmas to you too, boys. All right. So we're re- just so you know, we're recording 
Um, yeah. And um, we just introed the show. And we're just talking yeah. about just general shit while we waited for you to hook up. So um, I, figured, I figured that out a few days ago. <laughs> I, I, I things up. That's what, what you do, you know, getting old. Yeah. <laughs> so, mate, listen, thank you so much. Uh, just let's intro him, yes. shall we? Yes. He's yeah. here. He's here. <laughs> He is. He's here. Is that laughing? Yeah. That's Matt Maladin. Do you know the funny part? I first heard that laugh in, what was it, 1990? Matt, what year did you do 250 Proddies? 91. 91. I first heard that laugh then, and it hasn't fucking changed. (laughs) They used to call me laughing boy back in the day. Yeah, yeah. Until it got serious, they started paying too much money, and it was not a laughing matter anymore. No. No. And then they called you other things. (laughs) They called me lots of other things. (laughs) All of which we're going to get into. Matt Malatin, welcome to MotoPG. You're an absolute fucking legend, mate. Yes, yes. And thank you so much for joining us. Oh, no, great to be here. You guys have a great show, and I'm looking forward to it. All right, so mate, I, I got one for you. Tug, tug's recording in progress. Oh, <laughs> it's a recording in progress. Recording in progress. That's it just good. Was, yeah, I'm yeah. Glad. All good. Hey, hey, Matt, I want to take you back to two fifty proddies. Um, because yep. that was when I mean you'd done some dirt bike stuff before that, and then two fifty proddies was was when you kind of hit the road racing stage, obviously. And uh, I knew Frank Pons back in the day. Frank was a guy who who looked after your bike, and and Frank said to me, "Keep your eye on this boy. He's crazy stupid." And and fast, <laughs> and that was obvious to everybody. But uh, so for for those of our listeners who who don't know what two fifty proddies was, because it doesn't really exist anymore these days, we would call it three hundred Supersport, and everyone's riding Yamaha R threes and stuff. But back in those days, the two fifty proddy class was mainly Suzuki RGV two fifties, and then Aprilia came in with the RS two fifty, so they were fast, a lot faster than an R three, and it was probably, I reckon, that was the best class of racing in Australia. And I don't know what you thought, Matt, but back in yeah, those I mean, days. I mean, you know, that when, when I started Proddy Bikes, it was actually only the RGV and the KR1. Yeah, that's right. And then when I left Proddy, I, I got a funny feeling in 92 is when Honda, I got a funny feeling Honda came into it in 92. Yeah, with, a uh, with bikes, their yeah. NSR 250. Yeah. Um, that's when I was on the super bike with Kawasaki. So, listen, they were, they were crazy days and, and probably no different really. The racing back then to watch them like Moto Three now. I mean, it was it yeah, was nuts, it was. and everyone was going wide open, and yeah, yeah, it was fantastic. But I remember that year you won the championship that year, and and throughout the year. So I was I was working at Revs Motorcycle News Magazine then, yeah. and there was there were, sort of halfway yeah, through the yeah. year there started being whispers about you know Matt's bike's not legal and all of this sort of stuff because you you handed boys their ass more often than not. And then we got to, I think it was the last round of the year, or it was the round where you wrapped up the title anyway. And It was the penultimate round of Eastern Creek, yeah, the yeah. round of the series. Yeah. And your bike shit itself in warm-up. Yeah. yeah. And then you take the story away from there because you ended up winning. Yeah, so, someone so, else yeah, so I, I obviously, you know, whenever you're doing any form of winning, I mean, 91, I won the 250 Proddy Championship. 11 years earlier, I won my first Australian in 1980, my first Australian Dirt track championship or whatever they call it, flat track, whatever it was called. Um, and even from back then, obviously we were cheating. There's no way you could, you know, win motorcycle or I was winning without <laughs> cheating. I was just how it fucking goes, you know. And um so come <laughs> so come ninety one. So come ninety one, um, I was cheating, obviously. There was a couple of guys in the field that knew I wasn't cheating and and to this day we are still mates because they were actually just fair dinkum and realised that I was just fucking smoking them. But um uh the bike broke. I don't know. 
practice, I think practice on Friday or Saturday maybe, maybe Saturday right before qualifying. Yeah, it was Saturday, yeah. Yeah, it was Saturday right before, or something like that. Anyway, well, actually it was Sunday morning warm-up. It was Sunday morning warm-up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the guy didn't, and the, and the motorbike that, that uh, got borrowed to me was a guy that never qualified. He's, so my quickest lap time in qualifying was in the 143s at Eastern Creek. And this guy done a 207 on the bike that I ended up borrowing. He, he never qualified for the event. And, um, and, uh, borrowed the bike. And he, he was kind enough to lend us the bike because my, my thing absolutely, you know, grenaded. People don't actually know this, but the thing was just, I had no idea what I was doing. And the bike was not in good shape. It was slow. It was worn out. It was just a shit box. And, Fortunately, I could ride it okay, and so we won some races. Anyway, getting into the first race, the guys got gearing on the bike that I was I was on the rev limiter halfway down the front straight, and I still set the fastest lap of the race on that bike from the back of the grid. I couldn't I, I couldn't come, I couldn't get through any further just simply because I was had to roll off halfway down the straight. It was just on the rev limiter. Um, I still set the fastest lap of the race of like a 44.7 or something like that. And then in the next race, we meant to change the gearing and stuff on this bike that ran at 2.07 the day before in qualifying. And we changed the gearing, got a bit more set up to my liking. Not much you could do in those days. I mean, we set it up, we put my rear shock in it, which had a, like, you know, who knows? I, I can't even really remember that much. He couldn't do anything those days. And um, changed the gearing and lowered the lap record in the next race to a 43. Actually went quicker on that bike in the second race and I went on my own bike before it broke so and won the race yeah so, so yeah. The, the guy that owned the bike did he retire from racing immediately <laughs> no no he was a, he was a really nice guy I, I I wish I could remember his name I wish I could remember who he was I can't obviously hit my head a few times between then and now yeah um but he was a really nice guy and you know and he he helped me on that day you know yeah just shut a few people up I guess you could say so Essentially, you, you, um, if people wanted to know what Matt Maladden achieved, it's probably best rather than we spend the next 17 hours talking about the glory of your racing career, they can Google that shit. What I want to know, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, honestly, you, you, it, it's like there's like six fucking Wikipedia pages on what, what Matt did, right? Yeah. <laughs> shit Matt oh, did, right? <laughs> Motherfuckers, right? So what I want to know, right, and this is always, always, be the sort of worm in my brain is when did you know it was time to give it away yeah that's a good that's a good that's a good question um because right right it was for ross it was when he got pregnant now you didn't get pregnant right yeah. listen the, the 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 two things that stand out to me that um were really the death of my racing career were when Ben dis- when Ben went to Europe after the end of the 2008 season, Ben Spees went mm, to Europe is, after yeah. 2008 season, and BMG Daytona Motorsport Group, uh, yeah, that's what I'll call them here. Uh, they took over Superbike Racing, and the bikes they just they you know we'd won everything, and they thought that if they changed all the bikes and made made the bikes more stock, and and the bikes just turned into absolute piece of shit. The next the next year, those two things put together were sort of the death of me. And to extend that story just a little bit, I came out at the start of the next year in 2009, absolutely not interested at all, and won the first seven races and decided I got enough. So, how old were you then? 37. Yeah, you, you, you but you were still hyper competitive. I mean, 
There, there yeah. are not many races. I mean, I, I can point to Alicia Spargaro right now, right, who <laughs> are around yeah. that age, and 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 simply they just they're just not there. I mean, you, you saw the yeah. drop off in Rossi's career towards, but he was already in his forties. Um, yeah, you know, you're thirty seven, you, you still smashed the first seven races. Yeah, I mean, but you know, I mean, it, it was when Ben left, the competition just wasn't there for me. I mean, a couple of guys, I think were pretty good motorbike riders in the field and went on to win some championships after I left. But, you know, my my day had come and I, I was done. It, it was done. And mm-hmm. Ben, I came through, you know, with Nicky Hayden, came through and I fought with Nicky for a few years and he went off and won a world championship. Then uh, Ben came through, I fought with him for a few years and he went off and won a world championship. And honestly, when Ben left, I, I was fucking done. I had enough. And Matt, there was there was another time when you, you could very well have ended your career, and that was when you crashed a plane. Tell us about that one. Oh, there's not much to say except I was bored, <laughs> I, I fell, and I and fell just, out of the I sky. Mean, <laughs> yeah, but I was just I was just bored, you know. I was just bored, and I was doing shit that I shouldn't have been doing, and I paid paid the price. Because yeah, you, did you nearly lose your foot in that one? It was yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and I've had some you know recent surgeries and stuff, um, not just to do with that accident that happened coming up 30 years now ago um i went through all my racing career all the usa with with these injuries uh people didn't know about it i never let on about it I never told anybody about it but you know so so i've um i had you know my bike was set up a little bit differently on it with the shifter it was set up you know it was built my shifter and stuff my foot pegs were built differently um just because i have no feeling in the bottom of my foot so I always use road pattern when it comes to shifting because I, I couldn't feel the gear lever after very well after my accident in 95. So I, I would just bash down the gears. I, I actually didn't, I didn't tap them down like normal people or, you know, or, the, or the GP guys, you know, or GP style shifting where they pull them up. I couldn't do any of that. So I'd just bash them down. And um, my motors were generally built for me too to know that I'd probably have a little bit of over rev on the, on the way in on the downshift. Um, and um, it took a few years when we got to America for people for them to realise this, and it blew a few motors up as well. I was I'm quite I was quite hard on equipment because of the injury that I had. Um, but when everything when we got the right team together and got the right people together, um, the bikes were built to accommodate me, and um, the rest is history. Now. All right, I, I like how he I like how he says the bikes were built to accommodate me. I actually had a chat to Peter Doyle. Who was Matt's crew chief for a very, very, very long time from Team Kawasaki Australia, right? And and he went with you to America. And uh, one of the things he talks about is is, is Matt over revving engines on the down changes and making his life a misery. <laughs> oh yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I, I was I was rough on I was rough on equipment, very, very rough. Um, I worked a lot of people and a couple of races actually couldn't figure out why I looked so smooth on the motorbike. Um, because I worked very, very hard. I was. Physically, I worked very hard on the bike. You know, at heart rates of two hundred beats per minute through through races. That's why I had a, I've had a bit of a chuckling. You probably read a bit of my Facebook stuff talking about some of the heart rates I see on these mm. GP guys, one hundred and thirty beats a minute and stuff. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm one hundred and thirty beats a minute when I get up and go and take a shit. Yeah. You know? So I don't, <laughs> I don't, I, I I can't figure that side of things out. But so so I was very physical on the bike. <laughs> you, you, I, I, Matt, you're Matt, you're a, you're a slav, right? All of our heartbeats are up in the stratosphere, not like that <laughs> yeah, fucking Maverick. Yeah, <laughs> ma- fucking Maverick Vinales is a fucking lizard. Who the fuck can live with yeah, ni- ninety beats dumb. per minute when he's racing? <laughs> fuck off, you're dead. You're clinically dead. Get fucked. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So okay. Um. You, you know, your career is storied, obviously, and legendary. 
can you sort of nail down what the greatest memory that you have of that long and storied career? Mate, honestly, I, I, I some of the, the my, my most absolutely cherished year of motorcycle yep. racing ever was 1991 on the two, in the 250 Prodi class. Out of all the millions wow. of dollars that were made and all the championships I won and all the rest of it, 1991, I cherish to this day. And wow. some of the guys that I raced with that year uh, are just good guys and, and um, I, I really cherish it. 1992 Superbike, obviously with Kawasaki, my first year on the Superbike, was a great year. My first American championship in 99 was great, but I, I, I would never give away 91 for anything. Mate, talk about back to 91. Drop a couple of names for our listeners of the guys who raced in that with you. I mean, there's some, some of them have sort of disappeared, Freddie Bayans and some of those guys, but there were some guys in that class with you that went on to, to race Superbike and do really well. Yeah, there's a bunch of guys that went on the Superbike, but, but some guys that didn't go to Superbike, some of the older generation guys, I, I remember lining up for the first race in Tasmania in 91 for the first round of the Australian Championship. I had no idea that, an old nemesis from the old dirt bike days, Chris Hill, who was a Kawasaki boy, would be on the start line. He was, and we battled out that weekend, got a couple of wins apiece. Um, but a couple of old guys, older guys at the time, I shouldn't say old guys, they're older than me, but old, older guys at the time, like Terry Paviel, Buster Saunders, who was, yeah, you know, he was, he was a short guy, he used, to, used to have to start yeah, standing Buster. next to his bike. And um, I, remember, I remember being on the start line looking at this dude, looking at Buster next to me and just like, he, like he's, he was standing next to the bike and his helmet wasn't much higher than the visor. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Buster was like Danny Pedrosa. And I'm like, I can't, I can't believe this guy's going so fast. And um, so, you know, there's guys like that. And then obviously we had, um, you know, Troy Corso from uh, 1990. He, he won the 250 championship in 1990. 91, he rode the... 250GB bike. Then we all ended up on suit bikes in 92. He was the Winfield trip, the Winfield Honda team. I was with Kawasaki. Um, oh, no, Troy didn't get it. No, Troy, actually, Troy didn't get the suit bikes till 93, I think, maybe. And then he went to USA and won 94. So, yeah, you know, there's a bunch of guys there. A bunch of guys I came through dirt, um, on the dirt with guys like, um, oh, geez, Benny Archibald, who rode the Ducati in 92, got the Ducati factory ride in 92. Um, yeah, there's just a bunch of guys there. Right. Davin Carr, John Hafey, he's still a mate of mine. Yeah, it's just a bunch of guys there. So so tell me, I mean, rather than listing them all, who were the maddest fucks you ever raced against? Were they in Australia or were they in America? I mean, there's got to be some standout uh, lunatic that, that you went, fuck listen, me. The, <laughs> it was him. As far as the maddest, the maddest fuck that I've ever <laughs> yeah. come across in my life is probably going. I mean, really. Yeah. I mean, Anthony Gover was just a fucking mad fuck. Um <laughs> Uh, talented, talented as fuck, but yeah. just, just couldn't keep his shit together, you know. And I, and um, they made a big deal out of Goey and my rivalry in America when he, he turned up to America. But you know, in the end, Goey was Goey was always going to be fast for any given weekend, but he was never going to be there for the whole year. So he wasn't someone we pictured as a championship contender. Um, but he was, he was, he was. Goey did some fucking weird shit, man. I say we, we, we my, my mechanics and I have have. Helped Goey stay out of some shit sometimes in the States, you know, like yep. pulling out of some bullshit that he got into. Um, as far as other riders go, as far as on the racetrack goes, mm. one guy that, I, that should have ended up doing a lot more than he did on a road bike in America, and his, his name's Aaron Yates. Yeah. Um, he was he was fearless on a motorcycle and had throttle control 
like I've never seen before because he rode the motorcycle on the edge of the tyre all the time, a lot of lead angle and a lot of time on the edge of the tyre. So he had to have good throttle control and he was just fearless. The guy would just muck and throw him up the road all the time. Um, and, uh, yeah, so, the, you know, those couple of guys, but, yeah, Gary was definitely. Gary was special, no doubt about it. So you speak about fearlessness, and obviously fearlessness plays a huge part. You, you, I mean, motorcycle races at your level breathe a different air to the rest of us because, you know, I spend most of my life terrified trying not to die corner after corner, whereas you guys don't <laughs> seem to have that, right? And that's what makes you, you know, such such amazingly competitive, you know, competitors basically, right? Did you fear anyone? I, mate, honestly, I... I didn't fear anyone. Because you, you don't strike me as a fearful man at any time. Right? I didn't fear anyone on the racetrack. Um, I have feared a couple of ex-girlfriends. Especially the last one there. <laughs> she was a fucking monster. Um, but, but no racist, no. No, good. So did you actively then despise anyone? Do you think, I fucking hate you. I fucking hate you. I want to leg check you into the fucking vegetables because I hate you. No, no, I did. I didn't. I didn't despise anyone. I'd done my thing at the racetrack, boys. Um, I was not liked because I did my thing at the racetrack. I mean, obviously, when you win as much as I did, people are going to dislike you anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For, for no good reason at all. But, yeah, and that's fine. That's you, that's all. You were like you were like you know in professional wrestling, you were the black hat. You know, you were the bad yeah. guy. But that yeah, you kept... I, I guess. But in the end, mate, I I I went to the racetrack and just took care of business. I didn't. I didn't go. I didn't go there to hang out with people. Like, it just wasn't our thing. My, you know, this wasn't our thing. We, we we went there to win motorbike races. Yeah, it's 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 what you say is actually very true of, of that generation of your generation of races and possibly the races that came shortly afterwards. Like when I spoke to Cal Crutchlow two years ago, he said, "I'm fucking racing teenagers who all they care about is fucking TikTok videos and shit yeah, like that, yeah. and yeah. I just want to fucking smash handlebars and race." Yeah, yeah. I'm here right, to race yeah. motorcycles. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I, I think most of us more older generation struggle with the, you know, doing the social media thing and 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 banging bars on the racetrack, then being mates off the racetrack. It's not how we were born. It's not how, certainly not how we were raised. You, I hated everyone. I, yeah, I hated everyone there. Yeah, good. Yeah. So, um, tell me something about the the Yanks, especially because you spent many many years in the states. Did, did the Yanks sort of like, do they go out and party after the race or they go home? And if they did party, how good were the parties? <laughs> Mate, <laughs> I, I, um, I, listen, I was not a partier. I was, I was all business at the racetrack, which, which you know, does not endear you to as many fans as guys like Goey, for instance, who turn up with his red hair and he's, you know, smashed off his fucking tits. Yep. Um, but so, you know, so I, that wasn't me. That was not my style. And, and it couldn't – and. I had no option to do it any other way. I had to get the most out of myself and out of my career and, and have the right team around me. I built the right team around me and and to, to get everything that I could out of it, I, I couldn't just show up and not be prepared and actually win motorbike races. It wasn't who I was. It wasn't how I operated. Sure. I, so, so- I showed up to the racetrack and had missed out on going for a run during the week um, one day because I was slack. It played on my mind. So I was I was all business, you know. Matt, I just want to find out because when you were racing in America in the in the American Superbike Championship, these were the halcyon days of American Superbike Championship racing, and it just as you said, the the new people took over, but it's never really come back. You know what I mean? Yeah. It and and why do you think that is? What 
What is it about the Americans that, like, I know they got their NASCAR and their IndyCar and all the rest of it, but, you know, motorcycle racing started there. Why, why haven't they built that sport up in America? And everyone's tried, but it's not got there. Yeah, it, it's, you know, it's sad to see and it's sad to watch. Um, the, the series in itself, I think, is, is, is doing okay now, but yeah. it'll, it will... You know, back when I was in America, man, it was the heyday. We, you know, at one point in time in America, you know, there were fifty factory, factory, fifteen factory motorcycles on the grid, um, and it was it was huge. You know, there was, they were spending squillions of dollars. Yeah, can happen now. I mean, I mean, technically Suzuki, uh, this is the factory Suzuki. What was the factory Suzuki team, which is the team I rode for, the Yoshimura team? Yoshimura, yeah, has been. As is now, you know, has now been, you know, handed out to a, um, a more of a, I guess you could say, a privateer type team. Um, a good, still a good team, and people with lots of experience, but not, but just the the support from the factory is just not on the same level. Honda's not even racing. Kawasaki's not racing. Nobody's racing. Ducati keeps going over there to try and win the championship, which they haven't been able to do since. Actually, I think the last championship Ducati won was when w- would have been Troy Corsa in nineteen ninety four, yeah. so thirty years ago probably. So you know, it's 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 an interesting area. Um, motorcycle sales in America, you got to understand, are still much lower than they were in two thousand and six and before two thousand and seven, before the global financial crisis. So the money's not there. Um, and, and, yeah. people, and people aren't buying sports bikes. That's a worldwide no, thing. They're, they're not. They're not. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean, I see how much shit I get online when I post a picture on Facebook. When I post a picture of me on the Harley, people saying, "I can't believe you're riding a fucking Harley Davidson." <laughs> well, because I don't want to ride a fucking sport bike so, in first gear everywhere. Yeah. No. So, 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 like me, you discovered that fucking Facebook is a fucking sewer of rubbish, right? Full, filled full of fucking. I love it. I yeah, love it's, it. it's great, isn't it? Like, <laughs> provided we were, and Matt and I have learned how to swim in that fucking sewer like sons of bitches. <laughs> <laughs> That's having a ball on it lately. Yeah, so it's, it's yeah, fucking great. Smashing the fuck. And no one dares say anything to him because he's Matt Malad. Oh, exactly right. <laughs> yeah, oh, I fucking in, the end, in the end, I like when people have good communication and actually put good points across. Yeah. I yeah. refuse to listen to fuckwits <laughs> that that's it. try and tell me about how to ride a motorbike. <laughs> now, I, I made a post about this not long ago, and, you know, I said, and, and funnily enough, it was a bit of bullshit, this post, because I actually fixed my own taps and I converted my own barbecue from LPG to natural gas. And, you know, I do all that shit myself. I'm handy like that. But in the end, if I wanted someone to come and put copper pipes in my house, I'm calling a plumber. Sure. If I, you know, I'm and I'm calling. If I want to do a podcast, I'm calling you guys. I haven't got one stuff in it. Please don't tell me how to ride a fucking motorbike. Yeah, I mean, but they will. But they will. Right? Oh, they fucking try. Yeah. They, 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 they don't too much anymore because I shut it down. I shut it down. You, you just got to be careful not to get banned. I, mean, I, I won't discuss politics on my timeline anymore because I just oh, don't yeah, cuts I to get it's, fucked and because you you're, you're fucking sense. stupid. <laughs> shut up. So yeah. okay, like. I think a good word to describe the way you raced was ruthless. Mm. I think that, that's a fair call. What made you so utterly ruthless? Was was it just this? Was it a mindset, or are you are you that way by nature? Mate, listen. What I what, my definition of ruthless is someone who shows up every weekend and who's ready to do the same thing day in, day out, and who doesn't have bad days. And he, and when he does have a bad day, people don't actually know it. He probably finishes yep. second or he probably finishes fourth and he takes the blame himself and he comes back next week. That's my definition of ruthless, and that's who I was. Yep. I didn't – when I tested, when I raced, you know, I, I used to leave the pits, and I, this is no bullshit, I used to leave the pits 
on a Friday morning, first practice, and we'd tested the track three months earlier or whatever else, and my lap time, let's call it, it was a one-minute 25.5, let's say, whatever whatever track, and, and I'd leave the first. And on the first lap of practice, if the conditions were dry and the conditions were okay, on the first lap of the first Friday practice, I'd do a one-minute 25.8. And like out of the pits, the first first lap out of the pits, and and I'd come back in and I'd look on the screens, and the boys make a couple of changes, little changes and whatever on the bike, and I, I had a two second lead over the next guy, and so straight away this I had set up the weekend for everyone to go, oh fuck, not Maladin again. <laughs> so I set I, I set that up on Friday mornings at most places, and there's only one person my whole time in, in America that actually figured it out and figured out what I was doing, and that was Ben. And um, after a couple of years, he got onto it and was doing the same thing. And, you know, his results over there and his results when he went to Europe, uh, you know, showed that he was very capable of motorbike riding. Hey, can, I, can I ask you a question on that? You talk about being able to be fast straight out of the box. One of the things, when I watched you in, in 250 Proddies here and then when you went to Kawasaki for your Australian championship here, yeah. one, of the things that, <laughs> one of the things that I thought made you as good as you were, was your speed on cold tyres. There was Because yeah. we're talking about days when, you know, people didn't sit on the grid with tyre warmers on their bike, you know. like yeah, You yeah, go yeah, out, do your warm-up lap, you grid up, you're sitting there for a minute and a half while your tyres get cold, and then, yeah. you, and then you go off in your race. And, and your ability to lead by two seconds at the end of the first lap used to break people's hearts. And, and yeah. I've had people say to me over the years, oh, what was it about Maladin that made him so good? And I used to say that was a big chunk of it. You, you could, be, you could yeah. be lead a race by two seconds at the end of the first lap and everyone is playing. I used to tell people you used to bathe in the blood of virgins. Oh, but I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just yeah, as, so, as a – true story, true story, my first round of the Australian Superbike Championship, I was just – beating everything to death, the motorcycle, the engine, you name it. I was just flogging everything. And and the boys are saying, the Kawasaki boys are saying, you need to fucking slow down. I mean, it's fucking, this is it. You've got to control. You need to stop. <laughs> anyway, so the first race, the first race of the national championship on Superbike was at Sandown. And in on the second lap, I had just over five-second lead over Scotty Dillon. <laughs> and um, and then I fucking lunched it. I just lunched the motor. Punched a rod out the side and on a downshift somewhere as usual and and um yeah so so that I had I had that feel of the motorcycle I've always had good feel on the motorcycle so yeah new sponsor hooray new sponsor finally Bentley gets its shit together no. No. Motorsport Trailers, Proprietary Limited. That's like Bentley. They're the Bentley of, motor, of motorcycle trailers. They are. They are. They are. Hey, there's plenty of you out there that are just like me and have a track bike or two that we have to get to the racetrack every now and then. doesn't matter if they're road race bikes or off-road bikes or whatever. You need to get them to the track somehow. And the best way is in a fully enclosed trailer built by Motorsport Trailers. I, I made a horrendous mistake earlier this year, and I bought a trailer from another company. And it seemed like good value at the time because the price was pretty good. The fucking thing leaks like a leaks like the Titanic when it rains. But it looks it magnificent. It, well, it looks good. Yeah, those enclosed trailers make you look like a pro. They do. It means do. I'm not fucking around. Look at this shit. Yeah. You know. Huh? But the pro- here's huh? the problem, right? Even the even the cheap ones look good. 
But until you look inside them and check out how they're made and what goes into it, you, you don't really know. So the one I bought is a massive failure. It just fucking leaks and it bounces so much that the, it doesn't matter how well you tie the bikes down the they back. Slip, they, yeah. they slip around in the back. So anyway, but you want your trailer to be waterproof so you can keep all your gear in there, like your leathers and your boots and all your spares and all that sort of stuff in the trailer. And it needs to be secure. So if you go into an overnight thing or you're parking at a hotel on your way somewhere or whatever, you, everything's safe. Yep. But Sounds like a plan. Yeah. So listen, take our advice. Check out the guys from Motorsport Trailers. Their trailers are made from galvanized steel. They're welded up on a jig to ensure they're perfectly straight. And then they're clad with composite panels and alloy trim to make sure they're waterproof and they're corrosion resistant. Uh, they've, got, they've got lots of different models too. They've got multiple base models and they're all fully customizable. You can add awnings on them and doors on the sides and windows. And Put beds in them and live in them if you fucking want. Fucking do anything you want. Aircon. Guys will make anything. Good to me. Yeah. Yeah. So it doesn't matter what you need to haul or where you need to haul it to, the boys can build you the perfect trailer. I love them. Yeah. It's been in the business for 15 years and they know their shit, so don't make the same mistake. <laughs> Go and check out Motorsport Trailers, www.motorsporttrailers.com.au and get your trailer now. 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 Trust me, a quality trailer means you don't have to worry about your bikes and your gear. And it makes, listen, it, it's fucking stressful. When you go onto the track and your bike's in an open trailer or it's in a trailer that's not so, you worry about it. You worry about getting it there in one piece and making sure everything's all right. right. I've never had a track bike. I stress out just riding to the track for a ride day and then I crash my bike. And, you just look yeah. up, so scrutineering can't get in and have a <laughs> I reckon I'll be selling my trailer and getting one of these. I'm fucking pissed off. I yeah, didn't now, know about now these you've guys. told everyone your trailer leaks. <laughs> yeah, I know. No one's buying it no now. No one's buying my trailer. <laughs> yeah, but no one knows where I'm my real name, so I'll be all right. <laughs> I'm fucking pissed off. I didn't know these guys six months ago when I bought my bucket of shit. Uh, well done. Don't be like Tug. Contact Motorsport Trailers today. You won't be sorry. Motorsporttrailers.com.au. Go get one. Summertime. So you, you, you. You know, you sometimes come across as a win at any cost kind of race, which probably explains why you're such a big fan of fucking Mark Marquez. Yeah. Um, is is that – and he's like the archetype or the absolute sort of uh, apogee of win at all costs. You know, yeah. absolutely. And, that you know, oh. I, I admire that in, in him. I, I, I don't like him for other reasons. But anyway, is that a oh, crucial – You secretly love him, Boris, I mean. Yeah, I, secretly I don't. <laughs> 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 no, yeah. I, I worship the, the great yellow god. But anyway. Oh, um, I know you love Bale. I, I, yeah. <laughs> um, so do I. So do I. I think he's awesome. Obviously, I, I love the guy. He's amazing what he's done for the whole sport. For the whole he's sport, yeah. Incredible. As, incredible, as a complete, incredible. As a complete racer with the X Factor, that's it. Yeah. So, but this – this win at any cost factor, is that crucial to, to, to you? Was it crucial to you in your career? Yeah, listen, I, I I think this whole thing with Mark, clearly I'm a fan of Mark. I, I, I think he is possibly, I think he'll go down as possibly, the, and especially if he wins on the Ducati, he'll mm. go down as possibly the, the, the greatest motorcycle rider ever, mm. um, in my mind anyway, but but. I think this whole thing with Mark at win, of any, win at any cost, people are only looking at the last few years when he's been trying to push an absolute piece of shit yeah. around a motorcycle, around a racetrack, with all these electronics and all these wings and all this bullshit where where a lot of Mark's strengths, it, it, the bike's a piece of shit firstly, so he's never going to race a Ducati on that motorbike, but, and he, but he keeps trying. This, this is why I love him. He just keeps fucking trying, you know, and and – and so a lot of Mark's strengths are taken away. Same as and Kate, you know, Casey's been talking about it recently. You know about they need to take the electronics off the bikes, they need to take the wings off the bikes, and they do. They need to get rid of the shit off the motorbikes because right now all it's about is 
who can break the latest into the corner and if and and that's it and i mean that's all the whole gp is about right now so in the end i don't agree that mark can win at any cost type of rider but he has certainly looked that way in the past couple of years just simply because his his equipment's fucked yeah everyone i know agrees with you but i think you know this this argument about removing electronics and wings and that dawner has moved away from it being about bikes and and, and it's become more about Mm. it's about fucking television rights and and that about, about about the uh, technicians. You know, yeah, it's a business. Technicians the best, you know. Yeah, it's a business. So we'll, we'll talk about it in a minute because we I've got other questions for you regarding yep. MotoGP. But just just coming back to you again, yep. did, did you ever um, consider resurrecting your career when you came back to Oz? No, mate. No, 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 no. When when I was done with racing, I I man, I I lived racing, right? So I know this is kind of hard for some people to understand but i lived racing and when and when when the day came that i decided enough i i I was done i had enough um it left me completely i mean when the day that i announced my retirement in america was probably about 10 races before the end of the year and Mm -hmm. i never come close to win the race again pretty much yeah because you 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 turn your head off i I just completely let it go i let it go and i didn't live it anymore i didn't love it anymore so i went from being Completely 100% kosher with pushing pushing it to the absolute limit and going to hospital every day to saying, fuck that, no more. So, yep, and that's fair enough. So yeah. the other question that, that whenever whenever Matt Maladin comes up in conversations, and you do quite often with, with people, you know, from, from my era, is, you know, why didn't Matt ever go to MotoGP? Well, well, he did. did. Well, he did, but Kajiva. yeah, I know. But no, you mean, you mean <laughs> oh, come on. on. I mean, I mean later on, Kajiva was a curse. Listen, I, I did go. I did go to GP. I, I did go to GP in '93. So, I, as as you boys now know, I I raced two fifty bodies. That was my first year in '91. I won that. I won the two. I won the Superbike Championship in '92. My second year, and I got signed up two years after first round of leg after, over a road bike. I got signed up to go and race Grand, in the Grand Prix. So. I did go, and I was in the top 10 in the championship until probably the last third of the championship where I had a couple of crashes, but also had some mechanicals. So, you know, I was running top 10 in the championship, mm. and um, and so I was doing okay. I was on a three-year deal with Kajiva, and it didn't work out. They assholed me because that uh, little fucking turd from fucking Arkansas <laughs> came along, Kaczynski. And, um, and, but, but you know what? I, I can't, you can't blame them, though. You know, I mean, he's, he was a, he's an amazing motorcycle rider. He was very experienced at the time. And when he got on the Kajiva, he won at Laguna. Yeah. Um, and then he won another race in Australia, the first race of the year in 94. So the bike, and I've always said this about that bike, it was a decent motorbike. It wasn't that, it certainly wasn't as bad as what I made it look. But my experience, I just wasn't ready to be there. It was just a fucking joke to even sign me. It was, it was a massive climb. You'd, I mean, you'd gone from a yeah. 250 prod and within 15 months you're on a Grand Prix bike, a 500. 500. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, after the last, the last prod, it was exactly 12 months from the last proddy race to the time I tested the 500 the first time. Did anyone warn you not to go? So when you, when you Yeah, 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 they did. Do- Doily, I spoke to Doily about it. Obviously, I was with, I'd won the. Superbike championship with them, and he said, "Mate, you fucking, this is nuts. It's, you're just, you're not ready." I'm like, "Fucking yeah, whatever." They're throwing million dollar contracts around. So yeah, I'm like, yeah, "I've got off. the arsing out of my pants. Yeah. I've got the fifteen dollar rip off Converse from the local markets I've been wearing all year, <laughs> and and someone's telling me not to go." And I'm like, "Fuck, give me a break." Fuck and off, Doyle. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. So, but you know, in the end, Pete was right, and we, you know, we we've laughed about it many a time since. And in the end, he was right. But um. 
but and then as far as as far as getting back there later, uh, when I became, yeah. I think when I became, I know what you're trying to say, guys. When I became a decent motorcycle racer, and honestly, it took me until I was twenty six years old before I became, honestly, before I became a, an all rounded motorcycle racer, which I think was good enough to actually win Grand Prix, or or if I went there, could have had the opportunity to win on the right equipment. Those things just don't come around. They, they you know, those rides don't come around. Had a chance to go to World Superbike and they wanted to pay me fucking like just stupid fucking no money at all. And I'm making millions of dollars in the States every year and they yeah, want to pay me. Why nothing. would you do I'm it? Like, yeah. Yeah, fucking it's just stupid, you know. I I World Superbike to me was, you know, Grand Prix was still Grand Prix, and I would have loved to have gone. But by the time the late 90s come around, I knew that was not open to me anymore, especially not on the right team. I mean, there was some talk in the early 2000s. I did test the RGV in 2001 down at down at Phillip Island, the 500, the two-stroke with Kenny Robertson and Aoki. And I was supposed to test for, I was supposed to test for two days. It was a th- four-day test or a three-day test. So I came in on the second day. So they'd already been there for a day. It took me seven laps in my first stint to go quicker than Aoki. And then after that, the motorcycle was spun everywhere. And I never, clearly they were fucking shafted me. And I didn't get to do more than half a day on the motorbike and they sent me home. So. All right, so you you've recently been under the knife again because I, I do you know I, I, you, you know, you're, you're frequently on my Facebook feed you're stalking so, him. Yeah, you know, I do stalk him because because I love him and I want to know what he's doing. He fascinates me. But you've been under the knife again. You, you're still one of the fittest fucking blokes I've ever seen in my life. But tell us why you're going under the knife again. You're not. You're getting stuff so, fixed. You're getting stuff. Two and removed. a half years ago, I um. Well, you know, when was it? What what year are we now? Twenty three. That's it. So three and a half years ago, they they threw me in jail with all that bullshit that went on in my life. Yep. And um, I was not in good shape. I, I my my body was not good, and a bunch of shit was not good. When I got out of there, um, and all that all that shit was settled. Um, so that was two and a half years ago now, or whatever it was. I they um. I decided to go and start doing something about my body. I'd been I've been addicted to fucking almost everything that you can imagine, painkillers and sleeping pills, and uh, I've ridden that I've ridden that bus like unfortunately too many of us guys do. Because yeah. you know your, your body no, that's fucking true. hurts, man. Your yeah. body fucking hurts, and um and people don't know. People think you know they fell off the ladder thirty three years ago painting the house and they got a sore elbow. They, they actually <laughs> think they understand, but they fucking don't. They really they really don't. Um, so, mate, in the end, I've had a bunch of surgeries in the last two and a half years. I've had five surgeries. The last one was in October, and I've just gotten off the crutches about a week ago. Yeah. Um, my body, my legs are hurting. I'm trying to walk, and you know, every, I'm, I've been off my feet since March for the most part. So, I'm just starting. I'm just trying to get my legs and everything back in shape, and all the tendons and all the connective tissue. So, mate, just just trying to some quality of life going forward and everything's good i mean it's really coming around and, and i'm really looking forward to things so. Matt, I, I know you've you've done a little bit of looking after a couple of young riders in australia since you've been home you've done a little bit of putting your toe in the water but do you want to do more in the sport here or are you you're quite happy just to be a spectator yeah mate honestly i what is it two so six years ago i decided to just have a little bit of fun just just a, a mate of mine who I raced back in the 250 potties, um, uh, you know, got me a little bit involved and, and yeah. seen some of the shit that I was going through in my private life and then said, mate, you need to get back out there. So I decided to put a little thing together. But but honestly, it's very hard for me to work with, with riders because, 
most of them, the majority of them, actually don't understand what it takes. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. some of the stuff, some of the stuff that I heard when I was in the pits there for a year or so, uh, trying to make the motorcycle work, and and just you know, just I was, and I. I'm kind of pissed off myself. I didn't say this is fucked. Um, and this is this is. Just I'm not surrounded by chicken bitches that don't yeah, this, understand this is it. Not going to work. And you know, you're, you're chasing your ass everywhere. And it just reminded me of all my competitors, or most of my competitors I race in the USA, just chasing their asses. Oh, the tires no good. The brake fucking faded. This and fucking that. And it's just it was just constant. So it wasn't. Listen, it's it's not for me. I I can't deal with it. Um, I find people these days are just they're too fucking they're they're fucking soft and and they just they don't like the truth. So yeah, yeah good. Yeah, yeah. that's no, that, fair that's, enough. That's absolutely fair enough. Absolutely. So speaking about the 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 the, the epicenter of soft. MotoGP, <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, listen. Yeah, I, can't, I, know. I you, shouldn't be. You know. I shouldn't be laughing because there's some really good motorbike riders there. So I'm not laughing. I'm just they laughing are. because some of them are definitely dead right about They do. Things. They but, do. But I mean, where I, was your pearl necklace when you were riding? Yeah, that? where was oh, your pearl? In the Gucci, <laughs> the Gucci bag or something. <laughs> hey, listen. Just before, before you go, to, they're all listening to this. They're good. Yeah, Fuck good. them. They'll all be listening. Well, they can hear Matt Maladin tell them. Yes. Yeah, I know. Shit, right? So, what do you? Who do you? think at the moment is the best racer out there and why is he the best racer? Mark is no doubt head and shoulders still above the rest. And when I say head and shoulders, you know, I'm talking on the same equipment, everything being the same, he's still two or three tenths quicker than everybody. Mm. He does some things on a motorcycle that have never been done before and nobody is still doing now. Um, and... Um, it, uh, and we've all witnessed just how fucking gutsy he is. It's it. He's, yep. The guy's fucking crazy. You know, he's just he, I've, the monumental crashes and then gets back up and keeps going. I mean, I've, I've, of course, I've crashed and you got to get up and you keep going. But some of his crashes in the last couple of years, oh, my God. I man. know. I know. Oh, you know, so, yeah. He doesn't just get up. He runs back to the pit as fast he as he He runs can. back. Yeah, he does. And, like, 200 kilometer an hour high sides where he's 12 feet in the air <laughs> and he runs back to the pits and you know and, and the bike's still a piece of shit it's not like he's running back to the pits and getting on the Ducati <laughs> for the next session he's getting on the same fucking pile of shit <laughs> yeah or, or, no, nobody can disagree with that it's it's absolutely yeah. true yeah. but um so do you tell me if you think if Peko is a worthy champion I mean he's he's given yeah, it listen he he um Peko is not my favourite motorcycle sure. rider out there for for a plethora of different reasons. But the guy's won two world championships now. He's slow. He is steady. He puts his time in. He's consistent. He doesn't watch the leaderboard all weekend until it comes time for qualifying. He just keeps grinding out laps. And in the last two years, that's been proven well good enough to get the job done. So of course he's worthy. I mean, Peko's won two world championships now, the same as guys like Casey Stoner. And you know, so, yeah, I mean, yeah. he's as worthy as they come. Yep. yep, yep. So what happened to um, Jorge Martin this year? I mean, was there some kind of Italian conspiracy going on? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I, think, I, 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 I don't know if it was an Italian conspiracy or a French one or, <laughs> or both. I'm not sure. Yeah, good, good. Um, the, the, well, there's a whole fuck Michelin thing, sure. Yeah, but, but definitely in the penultimate race, he got fucked. Absolutely 100%. Yep, yep. Yep, I, why or how or who it was or, or anything else, I don't know. 
but well, he got fucked. It well, just wasn't. It this yeah. stank. Mate, he got fucked one hundred percent. I yeah. I mean, he's he's even tried. He's even tried to accept the blame for his failure oh, in the championship. He, yeah. Oh, Mate, he's not stupid. He knows how he rides. Oh, of course, he's a, yeah. He's a frig- He's a gun. And he, the first practice session, I can't remember even where the Northern race was at. I can't remember. Anyway, but the first practice session, you can't even ride the motorbike. He's almost falling off it in the middle of the corner. He's three seconds off the pace. Yeah, and what, then what comes, happened? Then, then the thing gets a little bit better. Then comes sprint race. He comes from the back of the grid or wherever he was and wins the race. <laughs> and then come the, come the long race where all the points count. What happened? Yeah. He, he was nowhere. Like that'd be like saying that you know same thing as saying Mark Marquez hadn't put an effort in the last twelve months. The guy was nowhere. It just doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. Yeah, his right. time will come. So, who do you think should leave MotoGP and go do something else? How much time have you got? How much time have you got? That's a fucking loaded question, isn't it? A little bit. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, um, honestly. I think there's a bunch of good, they're really good motorbike riders there. I, you know, I, I wonder like guys like Takanaka, whatever his name is. I don't even know what his name is. I mean, Nakas. Nakas, like, yeah. Nakagamis. Nakagami. I, I just, you know, I just, I don't understand that whole scenario. Well, he crashed um, at the Honda less than anyone else. It's because Japan. That's it's why. Japan, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I, I would crash it less than anyone else too, <laughs> running way back there. So, um, but, but, you know, I, I've always wondered about guys like you know Paul Espargo. I mean, he's, he's gone now, but you yes, know, during the gone. year we've seen that you know we've seen that Jack might be getting the flick or Jack might be getting test rider stuff, which was all bullshit as we all now know. But but to even for that to even come up when you got a guy like Paul who. His first year, I think, was nine years ago, which was his best finish in the championship, which might have been sixth or seventh. Yeah, yeah. And it has gotten worse every year since. And the fact that his name even came into the, oh, Paul Spargo may be going to Honda. And maybe, yeah. like, he's just, he's been there. Everybody's yeah. been to Honda and everybody that's tried has gotten their asses kicked out. These guys' names just keep going around in circles, but nothing has changed. It has been the same forever. So, why do you think Honda's having all this trouble? Oh, I don't know. Probably just rests on their laurels. They've had a motorcycle rider that, that can ride around problems and has ridden around them, and now Ducati have shown up with a motorcycle that's just too bloody good mm-hmm. and can't ride around the problems anymore. It's just, they're too great. I, I've, I've, I've written recently on my Facebook about the um, about I be, it's got nothing to do with electronics or wings. I believe it's got completely to do with their chassis setup. They simply don't make as much mechanical grip as any of the, as the Ducati does. Mm. You can have all the electronics you want coming out your ass. If the motorcycle's not making grip, then there's no grip to control. That's right. Yes. Yes, I agree with you there. All right. I'm, I'm, then I'm, this kind of pushes Yamaha to that kind of category too. Maybe they're not same making thing, Same thing, mate. Mm. Same thing, yeah. So tell me, Pedro Yamaha Costa. Yamaha had Rossi. Yamaha had Lorenzo. Yep. You know, Honda have had Marquez and Rossi and you know and Casey and this and that. You gotta remember for ten years there, Yamaha and Honda had the blokes to have on a motorcycle. Mm. They won everything. And yes. And now they're trying to figure out why they're most you know, it's just it's how it's how it goes, mate. Every empire rises, every empire falls. Absolutely. So So the new the new empire that's rising is obviously Pedro Acosta. Is he the real deal or is he just another fucking tits rabbit, right? Who who was I, glorious in Moto Two and then come on Moto GP, he's just just oh, nothing. Tits yeah. yeah, Tits um, Rabbit. Yeah, <laughs> um, I don't know about Acosta. The, the the problem is, mate, is that we, everyone can everyone can make all these assumptions and 
you know, he definitely seems like he's a hungry bugger. Yeah, sure, we all want new heroes. Everyone's comparing to Mark, um, but um, until we see him on a big bike, until we see him how he performs consistently over the course of a year, who knows? So, yeah, you've got to remember how many motorcycle riders actually win a few races in their career but never win a championship. Mm. There's so many of them. Yes. There's so many of them. And Colin Edwards, quiet. everybody. There's so many. Yeah. Danny Pedrosa is so a great many. illustration. Colin Edwards never won the race. Yeah. Did you know that? Yeah. Fucking hell. Yeah. In MotoGP. Yeah. It's unbelievable. But they, yeah. but they, look, and also I, I've been saying, and, and I, I think you agree, there's so much to learn on the MotoGP bike. Now, there's nine fucking buttons on these things. And yeah. he, he, you can't do what Marquez did and, and come, into, come into the championship and win in your first year. Anymore, you can't. You have to give that kid some time. But this is why oh, I, yeah, yeah, I yeah. don't like the fact they got rid of, you know, Remy in his first year because he really had no time. Yeah. Yeah, listen, the, the, the MotoGP bikes these days, are they're, they're not a normal motorcycle. I mean, just, just looking at the motorcycle, Forget about the electronics and forget about everything that's going. Looking at the motorcycle and how far back, how far back the, the rider's seated compared to the pivot position on the bike, and, and compared to what I rode, they're like a completely different animal. Just full stop in that in that regard. I mean, it's just that and the the fork rake and I mean, I didn't even know how they even go around the corner. To be honest, yeah, I, I can't figure it out. So, like when I look at the motorcycle on the racetrack, I can't figure it out. But they're controlled. The electronics are doing so much work for these guys these days, and I don't like it. I, I just don't like it. I mean, I, I don't like it myself. I, the racing is close, but but it's, but the racing is not good. It's boring. Remember watching Mick and remember watching all the boys back in the two-stroke days? I mean, it was amazing, you know? Yeah, yeah there were there were back markers. There was all sorts of stuff that could They were high-siding all the time. Yeah, yeah, massive high-sides and stuff. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I had five of those bastards at the year I was over. <laughs> Hey, Matt, can I take you back to America for a little bit? Um, Daytona, you won Daytona four times? Does that sound oh, right? I won the Daytona Superbike race six, five or six times, but the 200, I think I won uh, three times. Yeah. And they, and they took, took it away and made it 600 race. Yeah, and there was one, there was, there's one that I, I want you to tell the listeners about. There was one year where – uh, it was it was when the, a lot of the support from Suzuki fell away and and the the series changed and all that sort of stuff and and you guys basically went out and, and bought bikes from a dealer. That was my last year there. That was part of. I guess that goes back to the last. You know, when we spoke at the start about when it was time to leave, that was kind of part of it. Yeah, you're right. We went to Daytona in 2009, which is the year I retired. Um, actually, back up two and a half weeks before. The trucks were leaving for Daytona. We had no motorbikes, so the factory uh, Suzuki team went went to the local dealership and picked up six 2008 model Gixxes, brought them back to the shop, and you know they rated them and did what they did and, and and made them into race bikes. But but back then. With the new rules that DMG had in, implemented, there wasn't a whole lot you could do to them. They, they were really, they really were shit boxes, and and yeah, we went out and won, which was good. Yeah, fantastic. But you didn't, didn't just go out and win. Win. It was like the team finished like first, second, and yeah. fourth or something. Yeah, there, there's, no, I, there's a, I can't remember where everyone else finished. Fucking I nuts. Right there, there's a one. reason why he's a fucking legend. Oh, it's, I know. <laughs> there's a thing. So, all right, just to put you on the spot. Obviously, you believe Marquez is going to win his his ninth title this year. On the I game. don't know, mate. Listen, yeah, come on. 
make a prediction. Uh, no, I, I, I've been around racing long enough to know that. Yeah, yeah. Mark, Mark's Mark's riding on a on a customer Ducati, and you got to understand that if Ducati want their factory bikes to be half a second quicker than the customer bikes, they will be. Yep. Right. Yep. So so can is the championship is the Ducati championship in Ducati's hands one hundred percent? It's not in Mark's hands. Yeah. So that's a fair it, observation. It, the only yeah the only way that that will change is if Mark is if Honda and Yamaha pick up or KTM or Aprilia pick up and are challenging for the championship. And Mark's the only Ducati rider that is challenging for the championship against those other teams and bikes. Then Ducati will give him a factory drive. All right, okay. Well, mate, we're we're pretty much done. Thank you. Yes, but we want to talk to you again, though, during the year in the middle of the racing because we'd love to get your opinion on how things are going. On how things are going, Especially with Mark (laughs) and and the chaos he's going to cause at Ducati this year. Yeah. I think so. I think he's going to cause some chaos. And he's, he's, I mean, the guy had done three and a half hours on the bike there a few weeks ago and his Mm. first time on the bike and, you know, with two hours left left to go of the day and he, he was, you know, three tenths quicker than the next rider. So clearly he's going to be competitive. There's absolutely no doubt about it. But again, racing's racing, man, and, and you gotta do twenty races through the year to win the championship and that's a whole nother ball game. Yeah, especially with the sprint races as well, yep. you know, and that that, yep. that that's another factor that, that they've had to contend yep. with last year. But uh, Matt, mate, thank you so so much for for spending your time with us. Yeah. We're, we're we're really, really honored, mate. Like dead Steph from the bottom of my heart, thank you. It's been a great, great thing chatting to you. No worries. Anytime, boys. And, um, yeah, let's get back on during the year and have a bit of fun. 100%, Fantastic. mate. Thank you, Matt. Thank you so much, Matt. Look after right, yourself. Boys, have a good day. See, ya. See you, mate. Bye. Still there, buddy? He's so good. It's great. so, he's so great. good. He's, he was great. He was great. It's an honor to have him on because he's a legend. Uh, now now we've got to do some other stuff okay. for the first show. Housekeeping. Housekeeping. This we, is important housekeeping. Don't well, go anywhere. That's right. That's right. That's right. First, we need to give away a pair of mongrel boots oh. for, to one of our Patreon people. To one of our Patreon Yeah, we need to give away mongrel boots and five pairs of socks. Five pairs. That's, I'm wearing that's, their fucking socks now. Their what, socks are as good as their boots. This is like what? Every day you have to change your socks. Every day. Mate, this, five, five pairs of socks. Six a month. Five pairs of socks, that's enough for 10 days. At least. Because you just at wear least. them and then turn them inside out at and wear them again. At least. Actually, 20 days. So you wear them once, then you turn them inside out and wear them again. Then you put then you, then you you put talcum powder in them, yeah. and then you wear them again the right way around, yeah. and then you wear them again inside Tal- out. So it's four Tal- days from one pair of socks. Talcum powder? Yeah. That was a... Something, something. It's like baby powder. Yeah, I know. On what, baby's I, know bottoms. I know what it is. Put on baby's <laughs> bottoms. Yeah. Give me a name. Give me a name. Mark Spriggs. Mark, Mark Spriggs. Spriggs. Is he in Australia? I've no fucking idea. I just picked that out of the, our list of Patreon people. He's got to be in Australia. There's like 700 and something of the people. Mark Spriggs. S P R I G G S. Yeah. Good. If he's not in Australia, we'll, we'll pick someone else. No, we'll sort it. We'll send. It. We'll take the hit. We'll send it to him in America. Yeah, I'll send. Congratulations, him Mark. Well done. You got a pair of mangrove boots. Yeah. And 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 five pairs of socks. Five pairs of socks. And they're good socks too. And because I, I got the mangrove socks. Great Beautiful. Socks. But because our mongrel boots, the mongrel boots sponsor my poetry. Yes. I've written a poem. Oh, oh in honor of. In honor of the off season. Okay. Oh, let's hear. All right. So this is going to happen. 
I've written six of them. Oh. So you're going to get a different poem for each fucking summer session. Oh, Merry Christmas. Yeah, Merry fucking summer sessions. <laughs> All right. First poem. Okay. My life is shit. My life is fucked. There's no bikes being bloody chucked around the racetracks of the world. There's just no glory being hurled. I'm so depressed and sad and glum. It's like that first time up your bum. You want to cry but must be brave. You will walk out from this dark cave. And once again you'll see the sun. And all those races will be run. And all those bitches will race hard. And we will masturbate with lard. And we shall yell and we shall scream and they will crash and race and dream of winning being crowned the king and all the hot chicks that will bring. But that's so far away from now. Please just yoke me to a plough and let me till the endless fields of fucking emptiness and shit and boredom and despair and suffering and misery. Oh, my God. Are you, are you okay? Yeah, I'm okay. I'm okay. <laughs> Sounded a bit sad. It's yeah, sad. The end, yeah. It's, 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 I'm doing it hard here. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, so, right? Do you need a hug? He's backed uh, up. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. He can't uh, masturbate with it. We, we also have to do... Motorcycle, <laughs> <laughs> right? Well, I can't do it, right? He can't. And his wife wants nothing no, to do with him in the off-season? There's not enough vaseline. No, <laughs> no. And we need, we need now to do a live read. Oh, yes. Yes, because we've got sponsors. Oh, we got sponsors. Yeah, so we must do it. What's a let? Yeah, okay. All right. So Give the first one. one we will do. Yes. Is for Savage. Hello, Savage. Savage. Oh yes, the electrics. So Savage says. Mm. Says. Mm. Savage says. Says. Are Simon. you ready to electrify your ride? Yes, I am. Good. Meet Australia's pride, the Savage Motorcycles C Series. Yes. It's not just any electric. No. Bike. It's a high performance beast. Mm. Ask Jed Metcher. Yeah, I see the videos. Unbelievable. Mate, naught to 100 kilometres in 3.5 seconds, 60 watts of kilowatts of power. Yeah. That'll outrun the cops. And 200 newton metres of torque. 200. Instant. 200. Instant. Instant. That's more than a booster. Yeah. It's instantly. <laughs> yeah, it's more like, than a booster. more than a booster. Here yeah. I am. Yeah. Go. Yeah. It's power at the twist of a wrist. That's it. It's, it's follow, us, follow them on Facebook. Instagram and TikTok, or YouTube, and dive into the world of electric. They're here. Well, they're here. They're here. They are. There's it. nothing you could do about it. That's it. They're here. Accept it. Get Move on, on with your lives. Fuck off. That's right. They fuck say. off. Yeah. Get on board. <laughs> fuck off. <laughs> All right. Now, we need to do also to address our friends. Our friends? Yeah. We have oh, friends? Yeah, we got friends. We got one or two. You know. Where the fellows at CMB Finance. Oh, yes. They're, they're, they're very, very popular this time of year. Yeah. Because everyone spent all the money on toys and stuff, and you're like, shit, I need a motorcycle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, or C- a tractor. CMB Financial Service. I need a garage to put my motorcycles in. That's it. Well, yes. I could borrow money for a garage. Absolutely. Fredo, do you want $200? I, I do. I want $200. Well, you both have to do something first. That's not the first time I've heard that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> hey, I'll give you 200 bucks. Yeah, I'll give you 200 bucks. Come over here and suck mummy's no, cock. No, it's nothing like that. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Why does it have to be about that every time? Well, all right, no. You shot. can call all your Italian mates and you can call your Aussie, Aussie mates mate. and tell them they want some money to buy important things like a Mercedes Benz for their wife, a truck to carry their pigs to the prosciutto factory, a nice backhoe to dig those special holes that make everyone behave, 
or La Bella Ducati because we'll keep their sons away from dirty street putters. They have to contact Crystal Coops or one of the team at CMB Financial Services. Yes. Yes. I love that. Once their finance is approved, you get the money. Oh. Yeah. So if you send 20 people to CMB Financial Services, you get the money and no bullshit, and that's beautiful. I love it. And anyone can do this. And, do and we've had people send us the money to give to the, the dog charity. Yeah. 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 So CMB will pay you a spotter's fee if you hook one of your mates up with their finance. Wow. So for all your financial needs, deal with people who will get you the best deal every time they have access to more than 50 financial institutions. They know how to talk to them. And if you can be sorted, CMB will sort it for you. Contact at cmbfin.com.au or call one 262 346 Yes. Right. They're good people, those people. They are good people. We have heard stuff. What have we heard? We've heard the Ducati's turned into a fucking giant bitch. Mm. Why? Well, Ducati's happy to help Honda. Yamaha, but tried to block KDM, Aprilia, and Moto and Aprilia MotoGP decisions. Yeah, well, they know that they 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 know that they're so close. You know, KTM's not far away. They're not far away. And Aprilia be... just is just short a good rider. Yeah, that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, put a decent rider on that thing. Yeah, Look out! But yeah, sorry, this is, this is HRC that they're letting in. It's like. But it's it's yes, but you know, you know they, they're so far behind, and they got nobody. Oh, you know, they can they can very quickly not be so far behind. Well, we'll see, we'll see. And the other thing we heard yes. was that Chabati's going somewhere. Chabati, he's, he's going. Paolo Chabati is going to run Ducati's yeah. Dirt. off-road. Yeah, how that program? So Ducati, I, I reckon Ducati's. It won't be long. Ducati will have a fucking motocross bike, <laughs> and they're going to go and try and win Dakar. You watch it. Yeah, all, yeah that's all happening. A, they'll yeah. have a crack at yeah. Dakar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. D- Dakar is definitely on the – I mean, the, I can't imagine them winning where Dakar the in fuck? a hurry. Someone tell me, where the fuck – I, I know it's German money because they're owned by, by fucking Volkswagen, right? But they run eight motorcycles on the MotoGP grid. Yes. Right? Now, how, how many fucking Ducatis are there in WSBK? A fuck ton. Well, you know, they they also, but now they're saying to KTM, yeah, we're coming after your fucking dirty boys now. Yeah. We're coming yeah. after the dirty boys. Yeah. 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 Well, it's a new, they've formed a new off-road division of, yeah. of Ducati course, so, and Paolo's going to run it. Oh, my yeah. God. There's so much we got to tell everybody, so you, and you'll know more in the next episode. That's right. Of the summer sessions, which we should be out in the next week. So you've got yeah. to wait and have a look at yeah, this Yeah, yeah, we're going to do a week in, week out well, Every week now. Every, every week. week. Every so week. smash them. Smash them. Smash them with Moto Pidgey goodness. So through Pidgey goodness. All the way through, and then we've got the testing in February. And, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, we've got and, some uh, fucking good people to talk we, to. We have some great people to this talk to. This is going to be a great afternoon. We're, we're, yeah. 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 And Matt yeah. Maladden, what a champion. Yeah. What an absolutely oh, so lovely, nice lovely bloke. It was, I've been trying to get him for the last year. Right, but Matt's been unwell, his legs and shit, and I, I kept saying to him, come into the studio, he's gone, fuck off, no, I can't. You got I'm stairs, going, fuck off. Yeah. I got, yeah. Got, and, well, no, he didn't say that. I had no <laughs> idea that he just, I just thought he'd just be yeah. fucking Matt Maladden doesn't want to come in. No, he's trying to sort his body out. Yeah, he's trying to sort his And I said, <laughs> we can do it via Zoom. What's a Zoom? And he said, what's a Zoom? Because <laughs> <laughs> he's my Does it have a clutch? <laughs> Does it have a clutch? I don't need no stinking which, clutch. Which way do I go? What's the lab record? Well, we had the, right. legend, the legend of legends today, and next yeah. week we're going to have a future legend to yes. talk to. So make sure you join us for next Thank week. Thank you all so much. We love you so much. Keep it sweaty. Yeah. Bye, everybody.